All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have Ben Bergeron. Now, this episode is long overdue. Ben and I have known each other for years and years and years. As he developed uh, CrossFit New England, we started developing uh, previously NorCal CrossFit, which is now NC Fit. And over the years, there's been this a lot of mutual respect, and we've both expanded in multiple different verticals with our businesses, and we've learned a lot. And we talk about that today, the highs and lows. He dives into a variety of different subjects that I think were extremely powerful, what he's seen in the industry. Please note, this will not be the last time Ben and I talk on this subject because I think as an industry, when you continue collaborating, discussing, and, and raising the bar so that all of us could do better in this industry or any industry you're in, there's a lot that we could learn from Ben Bergeron. He's trained a number, a ton of CrossFit Games athletes, Masters athletes. He's built a super successful business, and I was honored to sit down and talk to him today. Before we dive into the episode, just want to remind you, if you have not given this show a rating or a review, would really appreciate it. There's no paid ads, none of that. We would just appreciate you tagging us in a post, letting us know what you thought of it, and giving us a rating or review. I hope everybody is rising the tides, having an exceptional day. Ben and I really dive into it on this one. I hope you enjoy this episode and have an exceptional, exceptional day. Let's go. All right, so Ben, here we are. We're at Wadapalooza. And, um, you know, earlier today we were sitting down and we were chatting about a few different things. And we have a lot of similarities in our businesses. We both have digital. We're both involved in corporate. And we also both have brick and mortar open to the public locations. You call them community gyms. And we were talking about in our space right now, it has evolved so much. You got into it. You started uh, across New England in 2007. Yep. Um, I opened up what started off as Cross of Santa Clara in 2008. And we've seen just the, the, I mean, the sport has evolved, the business has evolved. What are some like things that, you know, you host uh, immersions at your, at your location. You talk to a significant amount of gym owners and coaches. What are some things that you're seeing in the industry? What are some major takeaways that you have been trying to impart on other people? And how can we dive into that right now in this conversation? Well, I think the, the, the first most obvious one is the shift that CrossFit has taken as a kind of a, uh, a totality which is this um, shift from the sport of CrossFit to CrossFit for the masses. And mm. they call it now get off the carbs, get off the couch. Yep, yep, yep. So it's no longer just about, you know, the world's fittest. It's no longer forging. You know, it's debatable whether it's even forging elite fitness anymore, which is why I got into it. It's why you got into it. It's why a lot of people get into it is because they are looking for the pinnacle of sport, the pinnacle of fitness. I was a triathlete before I was um, a CrossFitter, and I did that because – I thought it was the pinnacle of fitness. I run a marathon, yeah. swim two and a half miles, and bike over a hundred all in one event. I was like, "That's the top. That's the peak. I want right, to be right, a part right. of that." Hundred percent. CrossFit comes along, blows that out of the water, and I'm like, "I'm chasing that. I think that this is a phenomenal thing. I want to see where the potential is of human performance." That, to me, from a ethos of what CrossFit is spitting out, has completely morphed and completely changed. It's no longer, the message is no longer about let's find and develop the world's fittest. It is let's get off diabetes, let's fight cancer, let's get um, uh, fight obesity, special populations and the elderly. Let's go after the sick and the masses, which is such a, such a, 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 a noble pursuit, right? Like it's an amazing thing. It's essentially like, you know, we've, we've kind of wrapped up and we believe that we put the, the elite like a little stamp on the elite no one's debate you remember you remember this back in the day 
everyone debated whether like the winner of the CrossFit Games was when the you won it. Yeah, yeah. When you won it, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's the fittest amongst his friends. Right, 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 right. Now yeah. that debate's long gone. Nobody yeah. debates whether CrossFit is is the fittest athletes in the world. Nobody is. No one's doing that. Everyone's kind of like pulling on the, the the shoestrings of it a little bit, trying to catch up. And I think that what CrossFit as a whole has done is kind of like shifted come from this because whether you, you can argue whether they've owned that space or not, essentially, but they're like, hey, there's a lot of uh, potential that we can still grab here. Let's go after the 90% of the population. Sure. In some form or fashion, like everyone that everyone that is super fit is doing some form of CrossFit. Now, whether they're doing a CrossFit gym or not, they're doing functional movements, movements at relatively high yeah. intensity. They're moving external loads a long yeah. distance. They're yeah. using bumper plates. Yeah. They're using, yep. They have rubber mats and they have rogue effective. rigs. It, it's efficient. That. And the, 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 the sea of machines and the hour long on a treadmill reading a magazine, everyone's, that's been debunked. Right. right. No one's arguing that bodybuilders are the fittest. No one's arguing that people that win the Ironman triathlon are the fittest. We know that. So now the biggest, ma- most massive shift is this attention towards the masses. And as an affiliate owner, I think it's irresponsible for us not to recognize that and start to think about how we're running our gyms. If we're still running our gyms, thinking that we're programming for people to try to excel at the open, if we're trying to think about running our gyms, getting people to excel at the CrossFit Games, we're kidding ourselves. We're going after, yeah, there is 400,000 people that sign up for the open every year. Okay. There's 4 million people that are doing CrossFit. Right. What that means is 10% or, or more. of yeah. your gym. Yeah, yeah. that's right. right. Or more. That's, that's in affiliates. Right. What that means is that 10% of people at your gym are interested in the sport Board of, of CrossFit. Yep. Now, if we're not – so if you're still programming muscle-ups and handstand push-ups and handstand walking and squat snatches multiple times a week thinking that you're programming for the masses – you're kind of kidding yourself. Mm. What we need to do is realize we're programming for soccer mom and dad. We're programming for Joe Schmo that wants to look good on the beach. We're programming for the regular everyday athlete that does not need and should not probably be pursuing a sub four minute Amanda time. I, I mean, it's really powerful what you're talking about because there is, there has been a shift. And I think you and I have both seen it. And this whole idea of the squat snatches, you and I were actually talking about it earlier. And I think it's important for recognize that as an owner, just because we might like something doesn't yeah, right. mean that the masses do. And I think the, the true testament is the idea, how's your business doing? If your business is growing, if it's evolving, if you're gaining the membership numbers you're looking for, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. But if you've stalled out or if your business is starting to kind of float down, well, you need to take a deep look in the mirror and say, hey, what are we doing from an experience on the floor? How's our coaching? And um, how's my managerial skills, which I found to be really interesting that you brought up. When I first opened our business, I... Um, I didn't really have much managerial skills. I had done sales and marketing at the gym, and then I basically did a bunch more sales, and then I got into owning a business. So at the time, I was a hard worker. I was a grinder. I was great with people, but I had no idea how to manage. I thought it was really interesting what you said um, when I asked you earlier um, what's a big challenge gym owners have, and you were saying that they don't know how to, they don't know how to manage. Is that, yeah. is that what you were talking about? Yeah, no, it's exactly it. I think that we've been sold a, 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 a bag... A, a bad bag of goods. Yeah. We've been told, and this is not CrossFit specific. This yeah, is entrepreneurs. Right. What we've been told is to excel as an entrepreneur, you have to work harder. If you listen to Gary Vee or oh, you yeah. listen to like anybody like the Shark Tank guys, you listen to any Elon Musk. Elon Musk says for you to be successful, you got to work 80 hours a week. If you do that, you get twice as amount of work than somebody working 40 hours. You can't compete. So what we've been told is 
if you're not successful, you need to hit the grindstone even harder. Right. I really don't think that's the case. I don't think that people in our community, these people that are, are not looking for short... Are afraid of hard work. We're not afraid of hard work. Right. We're super passionate. We're CrossFitters. We're willing to put in the hard work. And what happens is they're told you got to work harder. So what do they do? They work harder. And what happens is they get on the rat wheel that they cannot get off because they're constantly putting out all of these urgent, immediate issues. They, what they do is now I have to answer these 60 emails. Now I have to do my programming. Now I have to clean the bathrooms. Now I have to hire another coach. Now I have to go through the membership. It's, that is not the way to get off the rat race. The way to get off the rat race is thinking about how to scale your business and work yourself out of those boxes. 100%. You need to learn, and this is the whole thing. When you are running your, everyone's, I'm going to say, if you can get your business successfully to about 100 to 125 members, you are probably a fairly good coach. You're probably, um, this is a big asterisk, right? Yeah, of course. What I'm saying is people are probably attracted to you. Now, what happens is, now what happens is, mm. once you get past that number, and it's literally in sociology, it's called Dunbar's number, yep, 150, yep, 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 you yep, yep. need to now scale your business by hiring other people. And it becomes a leadership issue. It's no longer your craft. It's no longer your product. Yes, hugely important. Absolutely, right. you have to focus on the customer journey, the customer experience. But to me, in order for you to get that past that leaping point, you need to learn how to run a business and manage people. You said that you weren't like, I, was I learned this the hard way, the most massively hard way ever. I was in a really bad place. So we started a business in the same spot. I, I'm willing to bet we had similar trajectories where two or three years into it, we're kind of like floating pretty high, doing yep. some pretty cool stuff. You had won the games as an individual. We'd won the games as a team. All of a sudden, people get some attention. They're doing it really well. Let's go check the customers. The marketplace rewards excellence. So they come there because you represent excellence and you have a good product. Your ethos is there and your brand is there. Right. From that point on, it gets tough. It does. Because what happened is your business has superseded your ability to lead, just like it did mine. Mm. And now we're in kind of a shitstorm because you have all this business coming in and you're in entrepreneurial regret, which is you now are where, quote, unquote, you should be successful, 250 to 350 members, quote, unquote, you should be a successful gym, but you're still doing everything, so you are wishing for a simpler time. Right. You actually want to go back to where it was about 150 members, where yeah. you knew everyone's name. It was kind of you were kind of coaching classes, weren't doing a bunch of other stuff, and you become a victim of your own success because you and I both had not yet learned to lead and manage the business. And, and, and delegate. You know, one of the things that I found really hard, so early on, I was blessed to have some great people around me. And maybe, maybe it wasn't as dramatic com compared to what other owners have because these guys were just phenomenal human beings. And what I would say is, when we went from one location to two, we opened our second location in about maybe two years after opening our first, maybe a year and a half, whatever it was. But he was incredible. But I learned that I didn't clearly set the expectations. Right. And so I was just like, oh, dude, just go work hard. Yeah. But I never said, like, no, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. This is the way you're being evaluated. This is the way. And one of my biggest issues that I did is I didn't delegate out early enough. And when I did delegate out, I didn't give clear guidelines and expectations and just assumed people would do things. And it really ended up biting us in the butt. And I wish I had set it, set the expectation earlier and set it more often yeah. and had more regular check-ins. When we went from one location, two to three to four, 
as we scaled and our group and our and our coaches and our, our team grew, I just that was a big learning lesson for me. Was um, I wish I if I had delegated out a few items like specifically like our finance, if I had delegated out for every year I delegated out earlier, we would have been two years ahead. Yeah. You know, because because yeah. I was at at home at night trying to figure out QuickBooks for three hours instead of just out, right. outsourcing it. Yeah. So that was um, it, I I experienced the exact same parallel, which is, you know, I. I'm not afraid of hard work and I'm not afraid of, um, I want to learn and I want to do all those things. Like sure. every entrepreneur. So it, that doesn't make me any bit more special than anybody else. So I followed all of the principles that you read about. You read about Jim Collins and he says, I like, get the right people on the bus. So I did exactly that. I took like the best people in our community. These people like games level athletes that were phenomenal coaches on level one seminar staff that were some of my best friends. Like talk about the right people, right? That couldn't be better. Like, you got the talent, you got the character, you got, like, the people smarts, you got the work ethic, yet I had no idea how to manage these people. Right. So I got them on the bus, which is what I was told to do, get the right people on the bus, and then worry about finding them a seat later. That works when you're dealing with a Fortune 500 company. That does not work when you're making higher number four, five, six, and seven. It's tough. So I got these people on the bus, didn't know how to lead them, didn't know how to manage them, didn't know how to delegate them, didn't know how to set expectations appropriately. And now there's massive frustrations on and my part. And resentment. Yeah. Because like, I, you guys aren't, I'm paying you guys full-time salaries. You're coaching two, three classes a day and doing nothing else. Right. But that was my fault, not theirs. 100%. My, mine too. I didn't know, no, specifically, sorry for listeners, we say like lead, evaluate, expectations. That's not just like having a conversation. You do it and I do it now. I know you do. It's like having really bright lines. It's having really detailed out you. So this is the way I think I, I try to share this now. Back in the day when I was first starting to do this, I was like, how come my, mem how come my employees won't change the toilet paper roll? Right. Like they're come not on. going to. Right. They're not going to unless you specifically spell out at 1135, I want you to go to the yeah. bathrooms and you have to set up the front desk procedures. Yes, yeah. the, proceed, the standard yeah. operating procedures. And here's what I thought back in the early days was they're going to think I'm bossy. I'm hiring my friends. I didn't want them to. It's, I, it's, yeah. it's hard to delegate to your friends. And what I didn't realize is they wanted to be yes, led. Yes, they totally Dude. want to be led. Dude. Like discipline and clarity breeds happiness. That's the Dude. best thing you could possibly do for them. What happens is you go, go be excellent. Go do awesome things. And they're like, oh, dude, I, right. Yeah. Like rock Dude. on. Thank you. I'll do yeah. that. And like, and then they're, they're second guessing. Like, am I do like, there's no clear anything yeah. and that creates all this ambiguity and no one feels good. Dude, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, recently we were talking about social media and I was telling them, Hey guys, I want you to be innovative. Like be innovative in our social media approach. And like, it gets the whole team spun up. Like Jay, we don't know what you mean by innovative. Yeah, right. I need you to tell me exactly what you want. And I think that I learned that the hard way, just like you did, where what, what we, you know, and, and maybe it's because you and I didn't have someone giving us exactly the play-by-play -play and clear guidance and direction. We just kind of figured it out on our own. But traditionally, people want to be led in that way, be told, hey, this is the expectation. This is how you perform your job. So this is what success is, and this is what would institute not having success. But I just didn't get that until you get it. And I think for an owner listening right now, if you could just, you know, these are two guys that we've been in the game for a long time, and we both completely agree on that. That one thing in particular couldn't be more, um, you know, it's so very yeah, powerful. The other, the, so, like, along with, like, get the right people on the bus, I also learned about, like, this um, – there's two different types of management, right? There's micromanaging where you're all up in someone's business and there's leading with autonomy, 
and if you read like Daniel Pink and like all this stuff about human motivation, people are more motivated by given autonomy, the freedom to do their job really well. They take ownership of it. So I was like, okay, black or white, I'm going to go with the autonomy one. Man, that's a terrible way to go. It doesn't need to be black or white. The way you do this is a sliding scale of gray. You start out by micromanaging the person. Yeah. It's not micromanaging. What you're doing, it's not called micromanaging. It's called training. And I didn't train anybody. No. So the only person we did this with well was with our coaches. For some reason, we knew it with coaching. You probably did too because we're so product-driven. Right. So when a coach came on, we watched them coach. We gave them feedback. We deal with every single aspect of their coaching. Are you building relationships? Are you looking people in the eye? Right. Are you um, managing groups? Do you have a presence attitude? And we geeked out about the coaches, and we had a really strong development program for our coaches. But every single other position in the business, yeah. we were like, go do your thing. Yeah. What a what a recipe for failure that yeah. is on our end. Like even from a managerial perspective, it's the same thing. You know, you and I were talking about it. You know, one of the areas that we got nipped in the butt was we didn't set good um, job descriptions, yeah, right? Where right. We Same. Were just, like for coaches, it was one thing. But then as your business starts to grow and evolve, and this isn't that big of a growth I'm talking about. Once you get to a certain point, you know, you'll never grow past a certain point unless you hire so you could, you know, delegate. You know, if you're a gym owner, one of the big things I hear is, hey, I'm coaching five to eight classes a day, and I don't hire another coach because I don't have enough money to hire another coach. I'm sure you've heard this before. And one of the things that I say is like, you'll never have enough money to hire another coach unless you start hiring another coach so you could spend time building your business, yeah. growing it, et cetera. But what we didn't do a good job of is once we started getting front desk persons or you know someone doing more of an admin style is we never had clear job descriptions. Right. And um, you know that ended up long-term coming to bite us in the butt really bad, but it goes the exact same thing. The training protocol is so important. You know, We were talking earlier that when we open new locations, we send out you know a trained uh you know, California-based employee to our other locations to start it off right from the beginning. Because if you start it off right, it's so much easier to maintain it than it is to go back there later on and try and fix it. And, uh, you know, so on that note, you know, you've seen all these gyms, you've, you've grown your business and you've diversified out into digital, et cetera. When you're thinking about the current gym owner space and you talk about programming and how it's kind of evolved, how about for the, the, the professional gym owner, where do you see, I guess my question is, is where do you see the attrition at? How many owners do you think got into it because they were passionate about it? You know, you, were, you brought something up earlier where you know, they're, they're passionate about fitness, but that doesn't necessarily give them the you know, qualifications to go open a business. Where do you think we're at right now in the CrossFit industry yeah. with people who got into it because they're passionate about it? You know, I love coffee, I love food, but I'm not going to go open up a restaurant. How many of those do you think are going to kind of slowly get kind of absorbed by other gyms. What do you see that happening? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't take a good guess on the numbers in terms of how, how many people are going to get absorbed or dissolve or, or consolidate or anything like that. But to your point, I think that if I, I want people to open up a gym because they're passionate, That's a, that would be the first prerequisite. Right. Very first thing. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't love food, then definitely don't open a restaurant. R right. You definitely need that first. Um, what that means is if you are, if you love food, if you love coffee, if you love paninis or whatever it is, like open up a, a, um, a food truck where it's just you. Like you got to open up, in that case, like be a personal trainer. That way you don't need to run a, a business outside of yourself. Mm. Now, in order to get past yourself, that's the big leap. That is you hiring, training, 
um, building a business outside of yourself. And that's the big leap. We were all told, beyond the hard work, is if you care enough about the, if you, if you pursue excellence relentlessly and put the customers first, they, they will come and you will be successful. Sure. Yes, 100%, but they're going to come for you and you will be successful up until a point. And once you've exceeded your hours of training, now you need to be able to learn how to scale this thing beyond yourself. And that's where you have to learn how to be a business owner. If you are a great cook, it doesn't mean you're a great restaurant owner. Yeah, 100%. And what you need to do is you need to learn the ins and outs of restaurant management. Now, a great cook should, to me, partner with somebody that knows the business and you stay in the kitchen. Similar is if you are a great coach, if you're not, if you don't have the time, you don't have the energy to learn the business side of things, partner with somebody that you really trust, you really believe in that might know the, as you did, right? That was, it sounds like that was kind of your, you had a really good mentor, somebody yeah. helped you like, um, I didn't do that. And I had, a, I had a lot of growing pains along the way of trying to learn this thing on my own. Luckily I was, um, you know, here's the deal. I was like, we've done this for 12, I did this really crap, really poorly for seven years. It's kind of like the nuts. It's, it's kind of a, a fairly well-kept secret is like one of the more looked at like successful gyms really struggled for a really, really long time. It's not this, this business model looks so rosy from the outside. Ah, uh, yeah. Because you're in a, it's high tuition, low rent. You can charge people 250 bucks a month and you're in a warehouse facility. That is like the ideal. It's the exact opposite of the global gym model where they're chasing yep. to the bottom who can charge the least and who can have the nicest, most sure. beautiful sure. commercial they're space. They're focused on amenities. We're focused on service. They're, it's just a different, it, yeah. And so from the outside, it's so attractive. Like you get a, 150, 200 members each paying 150 to 250 bucks a month. People do the quick math on the back of a napkin and they're like, oh my God, this thing's a cash cow. There's a lot of um, fixed costs that are hidden that don't, aren't insurance like and there's, yep. there's a lot of um variable there's a lot of risk in, uh, there's a real, lot of risk involved too and and i just want to before we shift gears you said for the first seven years you you didn't reach your we potential struggled. we struggled and so why do you think that was it's me not me not knowing how to manage was the number one thing. yeah me by far and away um as you said you were doing the books on your own yeah well i delegated the books but i delegated the books that people didn't know how to do the books oh yeah yeah that's Right, so it's like um, the same situation, but even worse because I don't even have any more insight. Basically, it was like I gave ultimate faith to if I just pursue um, a great customer experience, this will work out in the end. I'm glad I made the shift because we would not have made it if I just continued on that shift of give people the best hour of the day, give people the best hour of the day, give people the best hour of the day. It would have caught up to me. I needed to make the shift where I could understand the business aspect of this, both from a leadership, a management perspective, and a financial perspective. And P&L. And yeah, absolutely. So, so I was really lucky. You know, when I was 15, 16, I started at the sales in a conventional gym, found a mentor who took me under his wing and taught me a bunch of stuff about the business. So when I started our business, I'd already had that background. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously. So my question for you would be, if there's someone out there that's interested in the business of fitness, interested in opening up, whether it's a CrossFit gym or another boutique style gym. I mean, I think it's really interesting to hear you, the guy that's all about the best hour of your day, and I'm all about the best hour of your day. I'm all about customer service, best product on the floor, et cetera. But I think it's really cool to hear you say that it's not, that's not the only thing it is because now 
first off, it won't scale, to your point. And then it's also, you're opening up a business, and there's yeah. a lot of risk that's associated. But what would you recommend if someone's a great coach, wants to open up a business for whatever reason, right? What steps can they take today to get there? Um, should they shadow? Should they join gyms? What would you recommend? The first thing I, I would do is kind of learn some fundamental business principles. You know, um, understand, you know, from a financial perspective, understand from a management perspective, understand from a customer journey perspective, yep. um, understand from a corporate structure um, perspective in terms of like corporate's a bad word, from an organizational structure, um, you know, what it is, the roles, responsibilities of um, each person in the gym, um, how to hold people accountable. This was our biggest fault was, and it sounds like it was similar for you, was early on not knowing how to hold people accountable. Yeah. So okay, we, it, we, because we, I also you, didn't set the expectations. Right. So that starts with that. Absolutely. Right. So here's kind of like give people some specifics, right? What we do now is we create a really clear vision for what we're looking to build long term. Now call that a vision statement. Call that a mission statement. Call that what you want. Call it a 10-year target. But we give people something to chase. We give something really specific. If this is what we're trying to accomplish. For us, it's our, our, our mission statement is we want to build a family of humble, hungry, happy people who kick ass into our 90s. Now, that sounds kind of like soft and fuzzy. Fluffy, it's yeah. it, really fluffy. Until you button down into that, it's really, it helps us make decisions. So we're creating a family. What that means is if you don't want to be a part of a community, if you want to do your own programming on the side, this isn't the place for you. Mm. A mission statement will help make decisions for you. So a person comes in and says, like, hey, I'm looking for bumper plates. I want to do some Olympic lifting stuff on the side when class is running. Can I join your gym? Early on, that's really tempting. So you'll pay right. like another revenue source. Right. That, will, that will crush your model. What you need to do is create really bright lines. So no, that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is humble, hungry, happy. Humble, what we did then is define together as a team, we define what each of these attributes mean. Sure. Humility. It's not about like shyness. It's not about defaulting to somebody else. Humility is growth mindset. Are you willing to take coaching and feedback? So if you're looking to do something on your own, you don't want to be a part of our classes. No, this is not the, not the right place right for you. For you. Yeah. Exactly. Hungry. What that means is you're willing to bust your ass and work hard. If you're looking for shortcuts, if you're looking for six-minute abs or the right supplement, this probably isn't the right place for you. And happy. If you're complaining, yeah. if you're whining, yeah. making excuses, this is not the right place for right. you. Right. Come and with then, good vibes. Then from there, you have kicking ass in their 90s. This is not about optimizing your performance in the open. Back in the day, we didn't have this ethos. So what we would do is when the open came around, we didn't know what to do. So we were like, hey, here comes the open. Let's try to get as many people to participate in the open as we possibly can. We set up systems to get people to participate. That, to me, would go so fly so far in the face of what we're trying to create because now what we're doing is kicking ass in our 90s. And the open does not line up with that ethos. Mm. In the open, I can't get you to scale a workout that day. You're going to do it prescribed and probably above and reach beyond what you should be doing in right. the day. Right. So we actually don't encourage people. If you have this really, really targeted thing you're chasing, it sets up the trajectory of your business. Now from there, we just back into that. What are we trying to chase in three years? And we lay out a really detailed picture. What is a square? Whether you do this or not, it doesn't really matter as much as you want to create a picture for so everyone on your team can be rowing on the same boat together. Really detailed. What, how many people we have on our staff? How many locations? What's the square footage? What are the programs we're running? What are we doing for revenue? What are we doing for profit? What are we doing for um, monthly recurring revenue? What are we doing? What are we pouring our resources into? From there, you detail that all out. 
then from there, what are our, and it's only three to five really targeted one-year objectives. Very targeted, only three to five. From there, what are we going to do in the next 90 days to achieve right. those things? Rinse, wash, repeat those 90 days, four times you achieve your one-year goals, and we're going to check in on those 90s every single week, and that's yep. where the accountability comes in. Yep. I'm going to meet with you every Tuesday at 2 o'clock and go, Jason, how are you doing on your 90-day rock? We call them rocks, the most important thing you got to do. How are you doing on those? Are you on track or not? Yeah, and you're not even talking about with your athletes. You're talking no, about no, with no. This staff. is my staff. I haven't yeah, talked that, about athletes at all the, yet. And I think what's not, not to cut you off, but I think that's really important because I talk to gym owners all the time, and I say, "Hey, what's your what's your goal, right? Like, uh, well, I want to make, I want to increase my revenue. Okay, great. What's the number you have in mind? Oh, I want to get to twenty thousand dollars a month in revenue. Okay, let's just say it's two hundred members for the sake of the argument. I'm like, you know, if someone wanted to get better at their back squat and they want to get a two hundred pound back right. squat. You'd create some type of plan for them to get there, yes. whatever that plan looks like, yes. right? And you you would check in on them on a weekly basis, see, hey, did you get in your five by five back squat this week, right? But yet, when it comes to ownership and business, we forget about these reoccurring micro check ins that lead to these big picture goals. And I think for gym owners, it's exactly what you said, right? Creating who we are, creating a goal, and then breaking it down into these weekly, daily, etc., quarterly. Um, kind of check-ins because then you don't wake up one day a month or two later and be like, oh man, we haven't gotten a new lead into the gym in a month. Well, it's like, man, if we had been checking right. that once a week, we would right. have known, hey, how many leads we get this month, week? How many conversions we get? That's so, that's, you know what, what most mean? people are doing is they're looking at lagging indicators. What they're doing is they're looking at things like revenue and profit. Here's the other thing. Just as like gym owners, and I'm only putting this out there because I made this mistake and everyone I talk to, not everyone I talk a lot of gym owners do the same mistake, which is, they don't even, in Massachusetts particularly, maybe because it's uh, the way, and if you're an LLC in Massachusetts, you cannot as an owner take a salary. So, okay. so what happens is you ask them what their profit is and yeah. they go, I made five grand oh, this yeah, month. Yeah. But they haven't paid themselves right. yet. Right. So what is your job worth in the business? You have to factor that in and your profit is what's left after you pay yourself right. for what your fair market value is. Right. If you as a gym owner are worth $75,000 a year, you have to put that into the expense line and then you figure out your profit after right. that. And for a lot of places, let's just say you're worth 75000 they actually might be losing 30000 a year if they actually build that in, right? So one of the things I like to recommend is that, you know, put in your salary, yeah. right? Whether the company can pay you or no, not, no, you that's fine. Put but put it in so that over time you can actually see how much money you you're losing. To, you need the real numbers. You right. The, you can't, so here's the other thing is um, we're saying a lagging versus a leading indicator. Profit, number of members, um, revenue, those are all lagging indicators. That's basically what that's saying is, Based off the last one, three, six, nine months of work I've done, this is what I have to show for it. Sure. What you need to do, as you said, is create the plan leading up to it. It's, this is what um, every major Facebook, Google, Amazon, um, um, every single one of these major companies do this. They're called OKRs. It's objectives and key uh, something. Yeah. It's key data points. Yeah. So what they, what they do is, what's the objective? Okay, the objective is, as you said, 200 members. Okay, what are the key things we need to do, the actionables, to get there? To get there? We're going to back squat 300 pounds. Okay, what are you going to do on a day-to-day -day basis to get you there? And then all you do is you hold people accountable to that along the way. 100%. What everyone else does is go is they wish, they want, and they hope for 200 members. They look at their, their, their dashboard at the end of the month. They go, ah, we're still at, we're still at 206. Yep. Ah, we lost a member and, last week. Ah. And, and it's not rocket science. You just need to hold themselves accountable. You know, one of the things like you and your wife, for example, go out for a glass of wine and, you know, are you, you say, to her, you know, oh, I got in, how many leads did you get this week, right? Let's just say my wife and I, oh, we got in 10, le 10 leads, but at least every week we're talking about it. And then you know what never, never feels good? I don't know if this ever happened to you. 
But when she asks you, how many leads you get this week? And you're like, dude, I, I got none. Right? It just doesn't feel yeah. good because you're not leading towards where you want to go. Yep. And I think that tracking on a weekly basis and looking at it just like someone else's fitness would be critical. I, I really think that there's so much more that you and I could dive into. We're at Wadapalooza. This is an incredible event. If you guys haven't been out here, there's a lot of things that you and I could dive into to hopefully rise the tides of our industry. We want to see owners be successful. And um, we need to continue to do some more of these these type of episodes. But I think you've you've laid a really good framework for us to kind of build off of because you and I both agree on so many different things. And if I know what I knew now when I started, I would have done things a lot different. I know you would have Absolutely. too. But I think starting off by just having clear objectives and ensuring that I'm clearly communicating with our staff and recognizing that this isn't a hobby. This is a business. And it comes with a lot of additional responsibilities, not just coaching. I think that's really important, yeah. you know? If I, if I could, um, it's not rocket science. You don't need some sort of like crazy strategic, um, you know, thing to make this thing work. In my mind, what you need to do is figure out what are the key indicators that are going to get you to where you want to be. As you said, it's leads. We don't use leads as ours, but it might be like um, um, contact time with members. Sure. It might be um, how many members are hanging out after class and you incentivize your coaches to get people to hang out after class. It might be... Um, um, weight loss that your gym is having, like what, just delivering results. But you have to figure out what it is that's going to make your business successful, not measuring whether it's successful or not. Figure out what's going to make it successful. Is that a social media thing? Is it um, an email campaign? Is it getting leads? Is it weight loss in the gym? Is it getting people to dot, 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 whatever it is, measure and then hold people accountable, literally, Put a name next to somebody's responsibility for the week. So if it's a social media person, okay, I need you to do six thought leadership posts this right. week. Did you do it or not? Right. It's black and white. It's, 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 it's literally that simple. Now, our job as managers is together with, and here's the, here's the thing, is leadership is collaborative. Sit down with that social media person. Don't say six social media posts at the end of it. If you're not doing this, we're dot, dot, dot. It's together. It's like, okay, here's my thoughts on um, what we should be posting about. I'm thinking about thought leadership. Maybe we do some like member celebrations and we do some sort of like call to actions. Sure. What's your thoughts on that? Right. What's the right way to dice up that pie? Do you think that we should be kind of leaning towards this area in thought leadership? What do you think? And now buy-in sucks. Co-creating is where it's at. And now they have buy-in, and if, if they go, and by the way, they're going to they're gonna overshoot what you would have said anyway. They're going to go, I think we should do 10 thought leadership posts. Right. I think we should do this. And you go, well, let's just do this this week. At the end of the week, what I'll do is, let's do what, just to keep you on track, next Tuesday at 2 o'clock, we'll check in, and we'll just see how we're doing. Did you I get these it. posts in? It's as simple as that. And you do that again for email campaigns. You right. do that again for contacting members that set PRs. You do that again for your program. You do that again for whatever, every aspect of the business. Start super simple and grow your own leadership skills out of that. I love it. Well, hey, if, um, I mean, look, people have probably already found you where they want to find you at, but you have Comp Train, yep. you have Cross New England, you have Tilt, um, and then if they want to find you online, where's, where's yeah, the best Yeah, comptrain.co is the place to go. Comp, comptrain.co is the place to go. I just, I got just, I've I never love said it. that before. Dude, that was so great. <laughs> All right, well, we got to get back to Wadapalooza and uh, keep Thanks, rising the ties, everybody.